This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, I've got some breaking news for you. We've got a lot of different ways that we bring content to you. So you've gotten used to the fact that we do interviews with some amazing guests. You've gotten used to the fact that I do solo episodes where I'll cover something happening in faith, culture, and politics, and then I'll also hit some quick hitters, some different news stories. But then we've got the forging table, which a lot of you guys have grown to to love this year. That's where me and three other laymen sit around a table and we go through books of the Bible one chapter at a time. And then we also have a monthly, you know, when I'm not having vocal cord surgery, But we have a monthly meeting set with Mark Wayne Mullen where we talk about what's going on in the world of politics and, you know, get it from his perspective as a United States senator representing the state of Oklahoma. But earlier this year, I had an idea and I was like, wait a minute, I would like to ask questions that pretty much uh, not only a pastor could answer, but that I would like to have a pastor answer. And then I would constantly get these questions where people would ask me things and I'm like, man, that's actually a better question for a pastor. It's really just a better question for them with their experience and what they do and what they've seen and how they've ministered and kind of what those things look like. And then obviously it's no surprise to anyone that's listening or has listened to this show for any length of time that I have a really good relationship with Joby Martin, who is the lead pastor of Church of 1122 down in Jacksonville, Florida. And so one day I was just like, let's just do it with Joby. Let's see if he would want to do it. So I pitched him on the idea and I talk about it a little bit on, on this show today about kind of where the idea went from there. But basically that's what this is going to be. So once a month, Pastor Joby Martin is going to come on this show for a segment we're going to call Ask a Pastor with Joby Martin. And these are going to be 25 to 30 minutes, you know, long in terms of the actual content itself. But here's the thing. I've got my questions that I want to ask. There's the guys from the forging table, my inner circle here that have questions as well, but we need questions from you guys. But I will tell you the only people who have, who will have their questions put into our, you know, question bank that we will pull from every month are monthly donors to Undaunted Life. Okay. So a lot of you guys have heard me talk about this, but we are basically a donation based ministry. We do get some money from advertisements, but it is not the majority of what keeps the lights on here. It is monthly donors. It is you guys, guys that are giving 10 bucks a month, 25 bucks a month, hundred bucks a month, 500 bucks a month, whatever it is that these guys are doing. Those are the guys that care about this content. They care about the way we present it and they want to help me equip men around the world to be able to push back darkness. So if you are a monthly donor, I've already reached out to you guys and gave you this opportunity. You've already sent me some amazing questions. You'll hear some of them today on this particular interview with Joby. But in the future, 
If you have questions that you would like me to ask on this segment, again, you have to be a monthly donor, and then you can just shoot me an email, info at undaunted.life. Again, that's info at undaunted.life. Obviously put in there, hey, this is for Ask a Pastor with Joby Martin, or please ask Joby this, or you can leave me a you know, message or a DM or, or a comment on social media or something like that. But that is how you are going to potentially get your question answered on this particular podcast. And so I'm not going to do this intro every time. We're, we're just going to flow right into it. But in terms of today... Um, I'm actually just figuring this out on the fly. I don't know if I should like tell y'all the questions beforehand so you can be like, I don't know if this is interesting or not. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm literally like figuring this out as I'm talking. I'll put, you know, vaguely what the questions are in the show notes. And so you can kind of get it, uh, figure it out from there. But typically there's not going to be an introduction. It's just going to be the intro music. And then I'm going to go right into my time with Joby. So that is the new thing. Ask a pastor with Joby Martin. This is a very, very first one. This is our maiden voyage. So if you don't like it, hopefully it gets better. And if you love it, it will definitely get better. So guys, without further ado, Let's get into it. Joby Martin, welcome to the first ever edition of Ask a Pastor with Joby Martin. Do you feel special because you look special? <laughs> well, I don't know, man. Sure, I feel special. Thanks. Hey, it's an I'm, honor to be here. Well, hey, I'm glad that you wore the official uniform of Undaunted Life of Man's podcast, which is a black V-neck shirt, but you're also rocking uh, the hat that we uh, raise money for my cousin and his family, so we appreciate that, but we're going to dig right in today because, uh, as I talked about in the intro, these are going to be quick. Uh, some of these questions we might you know, dig into a little bit more, but we'll kind of go from there. So, as our soft place to land here, Joby, do you remember, after all three of our other interviews the subject matter that you gave me crap for not asking you about. Do you remember? I don't. What was it? Hunting? It's jujitsu. Jujitsu. <laughs> Every single time we wrap the interview, we have a great time and you go, Hey man, when are we going to talk about hunting or jujitsu? So we're going to talk about jujitsu right now. So you Good. are a purple belt, just like me, but I wanted to ask you about, you know, this new trend with a lot of pastors kind of getting into jujitsu because to, get your purple belt. That takes a long time, but you see a lot of pastors that are on, you know, Instagram and all that. And they're, they're entering into jujitsu tournaments and doing different things. I know, you know, some of those guys, why do you feel like pastors are getting into jujitsu and why don't you train as much as you should? We'll go second first. I don't train as much as I should because I, uh, have two kids and currently most of my afternoons I'm at ball practices and all that kind of stuff. And so, and then pastor in church does, I know most people think I work half a day a week, but it actually takes <laughs> quite a bit of my time to lead this thing. And then the, the number of pastors getting into jujitsu, I think is an incredible thing. Um, mm. You know, one of the things like when, when you see pastors fall, big famous pastors fall now, 10 years ago, it might as well have been like Elvis or Chewbacca. I didn't know those guys. I just knew of them at this point. Most of those guys I've, I've, their number's probably in my phone. You know what I mean? We've shared a stage mm. at some conference or something. And one of the problems that I see in the life of a lot of pastors is they don't have a healthy, life-giving hobby to pour themselves into. Right. And if you're a pastor, it, whether you're a church planner or you're a pastor of a growing church, there's this little zing that we're all looking for. And of course, you can only find it through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if your hobby is church, I think that's a very dangerous thing. And I've, I've encouraged guys for a long time to find some kind of healthy, life-giving hobby. Because what happens a lot of times when dudes don't have that is, is they have a very non-healthy habit or, or hobby, whether it's drinking too much or gambling or talking to somebody, not their wife or something like that. So 
whether it's golf or fishing or hunting or jujitsu would be a great one to pour yourself into. So good on all those guys that take it to the next level and actually compete. Cause it's a big difference too, to show up and train with mm -hmm. your buddies and to walk out on a mat against another grown man that you've never met before and fight until it's over. So yeah, on. it's a different, different level, but just to make sure I heard you correctly, you did say that golf was sinful. You said that people shouldn't play <laughs> golf because it's the worst. You said that? No, you just shouldn't worship it. But, and I, I rarely meet the people that play that don't worship it. Although I play a little That's bit. It's all right. That's kind of the problem. Hey, I'm, I'm going on about 15 years without uh, going out to a golf course on purpose. So I'm going to try to keep that up and keep the hunting and jujitsu going. So we're going to roll into yeah. our next question. So I try to, I'll try to remember to delineate which questions are mine and which questions come from our donors. But this is actually a question from Eric from the forging table. So he's forging table famous. This is his question. What the heck am I going to do for eternity in heaven? And why does the thought of eternity almost scare me? Because you're thinking about you, and when you get to eternity, you won't be. So, I don't. I don't know how to explain. I don't think the English language can can contain what it's going to be like when we are all day, every day, living into the idea that God had when He came up with us being able to have a relationship and worship Him. And um, but by the way, I mean theologically speaking, you're not going to be in heaven forever. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And so he, the current heaven is like a waiting place until the consummation and redemption of all things. So it seems to look like you will have activities and work and things like that in the new heaven and new earth. So it's not it's definitely not just um, sitting on clouds and singing songs and that kind of thing. But the, the, what you are doing will be secondary to who you will be with. And the only reason you're thinking that way right now is because you have no idea what it would be like to be in the the unadulterated presence of your maker and the king. So the one thing that I thought about, I don't know that there is an answer to this because I've thought about, you know, when people describe heaven as this one long worship service, I'm like, oh, God, shoot me in the face. Like, I, I can't listen to that <laughs> music all day long forever. Um, but what if is it your prime version of your body in heaven. Cause like, I think about when someone's a hundred years old and they die or a newborn baby that dies, it's like, do they either sink back to their 25 year old self or, uh, you know, ascend up to their 25 year old self whenever they had the most visible abs of their life? Like what, what type of body and being will we have? Um, glorified, but recognizable. So there's no way to know, but it's glorified. Our, our bodies will be glorified in the twinkling of an eye. That means no pain. That means no problems. That means better than whatever best version of your earthly body ever was. And yet somehow recognizable because there's every tribe, tongue, nation. And how would you even be able to differentiate between every ethnos if they weren't somehow uh, recognizable? The, the best way, the, it's better than whatever you can think of. I mean, think about this. you got two little boys, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine if you were trying to describe your oldest son. How old is he? Three. All right. Imagine if you tried to tell your son at three years old, there's going to come a day and you're not even going to want to live with mom and dad anymore. There's some little girl out there right now and she's one, years old, one year old and there's going to come a day and you are going to leave your mom and me and you're going to only want to live with her. 
And as a three-year-old, he would think, there's no way. That sounds miserable. That sounds terrible. And yet there's going to come a day, he's like 25, 26 years old, and he's going to be like, forget y'all. I want to be with that girl forever in marriage. And so in a similar way, all the things that we think we want to hold on to right now, it's because we're like three-year-old little children, and we can't even understand the greatness and the glory that the Lord would have for us in his presence. And so okay. whatever worship is going to be, I promise you're going to be so into it that you can't even fathom that you get to be a part of it. So you're Bruh. guaranteeing me that the music's going to be awesome, that that's a guarantee be, from you? It's going to it's going to be actually awesome. Like the, what the word really means, like it, you're going to be so overwhelmed with awe. And, and it's not going to be about a style. It's going to be because the presence of the, the king of kings on the throne is going to be right there. Hey, guys, real quick. I've talked about this on the show before, but I've been experimenting with the idea of getting on the carnivore diet. And so I've got a good buddy, Chad Robichaux, who's been on the podcast that he's been on the carnivore diet for a while. He's seen a lot of great success. But the big thing that I've been worrying about is like, where do I get high quality beef? Like, where exactly can I get beef where I can trust that's coming from a reputable source that it doesn't have a bunch of junk that's been in it? And I've been looking for a cattle operation partner to really partner up with. And that's why I want to introduce you to the new official beef delivery partner of Undaunted Life, and that's my friends at Primal Beef. So Primal Beef is a brand new cattle operation owned and operated by Sean Glass. So he is a retired Navy SEAL that served with Jocko Willing, and Jocko is also a partner in Primal Beef. So what makes Primal Beef different from the other fly-by-night beef delivery companies? It's a combination of the following. So it's all-American black Angus cattle. The beef comes from one farm, and that's in Virginia's Shenandoah Valley. Also, the beef is all natural. There are no, no hormones added ever, no antibiotics ever, no mRNA ever. And here's a cool thing. After slaughter, the beef is dry-aged, and then it's hand-cut by artisan butchers and then flash-frozen to ensure that it maintains the tenderness and marbling and flavor that you'll want by the time it gets to you. And here's another cool thing. For every box sold, guys, Primal Beef donates meat directly to a member of America's Special Operations Forces through the C4 Foundation. So you can take pride in knowing that your purchase will help literally put food on the table for one of America's finest warriors. So are you salivating yet? Because if not, you should be, guys. Try Primal Beef out today by going to www.primalbeef.com. That will be in the show notes. That's primalbeef.com. Use the promo code Kyle. That's my first name, K-Y-L-E, Kyle, for 10% off of your order. Again, that is primalbeef.com. Use the code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, to get 10% off of your order. Okay, very good. Well, hey, we're going to get into our first question that comes from a donor. Just a reminder, as I talked about in the introduction, if you are a monthly donor to Undaunted Life, you get to enter the vaunted mailbag for this exact moment where we're going to be talking to Pastor Joby and asking him all these great questions. So here's a question from Chris. I've been listening to Church of 1122 sermons and podcasts for a few years now. You've had a lot of guests. He's asking you this now. You've had a lot of guest pastors come through. Do you have a favorite pastor you really enjoy? enjoy guest preaching or maybe a favorite moment of a guest pastor. I really like Cameron Triggs sermons, but the Christmas sermon of his last year got me. So that's the question from Chris. Um, I can't remember what year it was, but a guy named Ray Cortez, who's a a Presbyterian guy out of South Florida, Florida. He was here at saturated, like maybe 2015, 16, somewhere in there. 
and he preached a sermon on the power of the gospel. Hmm. It is my singular favorite sermon that's ever been preached, including especially all the ones that I've done. Is that the and, one where, where where he talked about how his staff didn't get like didn't get him anything like what? But he correct. saw that another pastor. Okay, yeah, yeah. I just listened to that one again here about a month ago. Oh, so good because uh, the whole thing he says is the whole crux of the sermon. Not to ruin it for everybody, but he says most of us only believe half of the gospel. Like if you were, if you ask that question, if you're standing before Jesus and he says, "Why would I let you in my heaven?" and you begin to answer with, "Well, because I believe you died on the cross mm-hmm. for my sins." Well, that's half true. It is true. It's only half of it. The other half of the gospel is, and you have been imputed with the righteousness of Christ. And he talks about what it li- what it looks like to live out the power of the gospel by understanding God's imputed righteousness to you. And he also is, is super confessional. Um, I mean, his words, not mine, but he was like, he was, he was a, a super right-wing, Sean Hannity-loving, moral majority preaching, I'm better than you kind of guy. And not only was he miserable, but also his whole congregation was miserable because they weren't living in the power of the good news of the gospel. And it, it's just, I don't know, that one wrecked me. Okay, so so how is that, so to, to go further on that, how has that changed his congregation? Because you mentioned it a little bit there that obviously there was a major heart change and direction change for him and his ideology. But in terms of tangibly on the ground, what did that change at his church? Um, one of the things I think it changed was people preaching the gospel to themselves, not just to do better, try harder. Because inevitably what he said is the false gospel that he would lean into. Now, these are my words, but you hear it all the time where a lot of sermons are God is good. You are bad. Try harder. See you next week. And Mm -hmm. it just leads to this exhaustion. And that's I mean, really, it's what the whole book of James is about. Right. There's two kinds of faith. There's a fake faith that doesn't change anything. And then there's a true faith that changes everything about you. But you're not trying to earn it through your works. But because you have been adopted into the family, it drives your works. And those are two very different modes of living. I would say that's the one thing that I get concerned about because, you know, for those people that make the point, they don't do it from a stupid point of view because I, I make fun of this quote often. is like, be known for what you're for, not what you're against. People, one of the things that you get into when you're in that mode is you are constantly going to avoid the quote unquote bad things. Like, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to dip. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to run with chicks that do. I'm not going to, you know, that type of thing. But it's no. like... It, so it something actually clicked for me this last weekend, Joby. I've always hated the story of the prodigal son because I feel the older brother. I'm like, I feel you, bro. Like your little brother is a jerk. I hate him. I want him to die. I want him to die in that pig pigsty. And again, it's not it's not a real story. It's just a parable. But something my pastor said last week really, really clicked with me. And I'm sure someone else said it. And I just like was ignoring it. But it's like, look, everyone can see in the story that the little brother is lost. Like everyone can see that. But what most people miss is that the brother, the older brother, is equally lost because Correct. he resents the father, and but he's he's dutiful, right? So he's going to work and work and work and work and work someday, hoping that it pays off for him. And that's just a different mindset. And I, I'll, I'll say it finally clicked for me. The the that whole parable finally clicked to where I was like, oh God, of course I'm the older brother that's lost, but just in a cooler and you know more morally acceptable way. You know what I mean? Yeah, we all reject God. Some people through religion, that would be the older brother. Some people through rebellion, that's the younger brother. You see it all the way back in the Garden of Eden. Mm. Um, they reject God through rebellion. Hey, if we want to eat this, we're going to eat this. 
And then they simultaneously reject God through religion because they run and hide. And what do they do? So fig leaves to say, we don't need you to cover our sin by our own acts of righteousness. We can cover our own sin. That's the picture. Yeah. The thing that gets me, first of all, I think people misunderstand it because I think it's mislabeled. So in Luke 15, the, it's the parable of the lost coin, the lost uh, sheep, and then it should be the lost sons. If you just called right. it the parable of the lost sons, it would, but instead, you know, the King James used the word prodigal, um, <clears throat> which means like lavish, but the real prodigal, you know, Tim Keller wrote the book Prodigal God, and it's right. The, the, the one displaying lavish love is, or even lavish lifestyle, is really the father pouring out his lavish love. The thing that gets me, man, when I preach that, probably the most choked up I've ever gotten on stage here is preaching that, preaching the, the Luke 15. And it's that part where it's not when the rebellious kid comes home. That makes sense. Everybody loves that. It's yeah. when the dad goes out and the Bible says entreats the older son. If you look up that word entreats, it means to like get on your knees and beg. So in my context, that's me as the pastor of this church, begging church people to come to the party and actually come to Christ on his terms instead of trying to earn it. And what's really tough in my position, man, you can't, um, it's hard to tell the difference between the lost and the found while on a Sunday morning service. Everybody looks pretty found. And it scares the heck out of me. Well, and then you get back. I mean, we just, for the forging table, we're going through Matthew and that part, uh, it was Matthew 8 or 9. It's the scariest part. Well, it's Matthew 7. The scariest part of the whole Bible is like, you know, you've done all these things in my name, but I never actually knew you. There's no more terrifying thing. Like, yes, Sodom and Gomorrah, terrifying. Someone should tell J.D. Greer that. There's a bunch of other things in this in the Bible that is like really, really terrifying. That is the most terrifying thing because that means your wife, your sons, your daughters, the people you go to church with, the people in your Sunday school, the people in your discipleship group. It's like they're doing the stuff that makes them look holy, but they may not actually be holy. And that's just absolutely terrifying. But I'm getting way off in the weeds here and we got more questions to get to. So let's get to the next question here from a follower. This is from Ty. What are your thoughts on depictions of Christ in paintings, tattoos, TV shows, etc.? I know that it can be a polarizing topic as some see depictions as breaking the second commandment. Would love to hear your thoughts. So the second commandment is thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And there are a lot of people that have interpreted that to be kind of similar to what Islam does with, uh, with the prophet Muhammad, that you can't try to do pictures of them. There, there's no chosen that you shouldn't paint them in paintings on frescas or any of those types of things. So what's your thought there? So originally what was happening is they were making images of the invisible God and then worshiping those images. See the, the golden calf coming right on the heels of this. Now, one of the things that is different is God has been made visible in the person, his son, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. So things are a bit different. I mean, ultimately, I think it's going to come down to the heart, right? Like, um, I would be very, very careful of all the people that do paint paintings of Jesus in their own image. You know what I mean? Like, choose your ethnicity, and when people try to turn a first century Jewish man into whatever they want him to look like so that he looks more like them, that, I think, is what's what the heart of, of the second commandment is about. One of the things that you, you'll you see, and I think it's kind of helpful for Bible study, is there's a big old spectrum 
when it comes to interpretation of verses like this. And on either side of whatever true is down the middle, there's going to be error. So you just got to be careful with that, too. Like anybody that wears a cross, you think they're breaking the second commandment? I don't think that's true. Um, but then you can go all the way to the other side where you're creating images of Jesus in your own image. I think that's exactly what this is speaking against. And then within orthodoxy, there's even often um, enough enough room where we can give each other some freedom of conscience based on what your interpretation of that word is and not necessarily throw darts at one another. So when I think listen, man, I'm, I'm in the camp of like, I mean, I got a lot of tattoos with crosses and thorns and things like that. I don't have a picture of Jesus on me, but um, I've also got no problem with the chosen. And um, I, I know there's a lot of people throwing stones there, but it seems to me that people are trying to, to give people an understanding of what it could have been like when Jesus was walking around. Well, I think that's absolutely right. I can't stand the depictions of Jesus where Jesus looks vaguely like me. It's like, come on. Like he, he didn't right. look anything like a, a half Irish, somewhat Choctaw, you know, American, like he looked like a Middle Eastern Jew in the first century. Um, Correct. Well, so since we, we, I brought up the chosen and since you talked about there, obviously there's a lot of stones that have been thrown at that show. I like the show. My understanding is that you like the show, but there are some things that have come to light uh, during the filming of season four that have really kind of terrified a lot of people that are in the audience for The Chosen, that have given money to The Chosen. And that was the pride flag that was found on set during one of the filmings. Uh, you know, there was a little bitty pride flag on a uh, cameraman's setup or something like that. And it wasn't just that the pride flag was on set. It was how Dallas Jenkins responded to it. He went, he didn't just kind of explain himself and just be like, hey man, we got a lot of Christians that work on the show, but also non-Christians and, and Jews and atheists and, and Muslims. And like, there's a lot of people that work on the show. We, we can't, you know, we can't be hall monitors and make sure that everybody's not wearing or bringing something on set. The problem was, is he didn't in any full-throated way repudiate the ideology that that flag represents on a show specifically about Jesus. And he basically called people that were critical of it, like bad and judgmental. And a lot of the actors from the show, many of whom are actually secular folks, they came out saying, we're standing with our LGBTQ brothers and blah, 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 blah. And the whole time it's like, yeah, but this is a show about about Jesus and, and the truth of the gospel. And I don't think that they would have responded the same way if a cameraman had brought in an ISIS flag or a swastika flag or, you know, the, the flag for pedophiles. They have their own flag, if you didn't know that. So had you heard about that? Con yeah, they do. And had you heard about that controversy? And I guess, what are your thoughts about, you know, a, a basically a movie set where something like that is seen there? Uh, yeah, I didn't know anything about all that stuff. So I would say, um, yeah, it seems like the appropriate, if I found myself in that position, I would hope I would have the character maturity to say something like, as for me and my house, and if I'm in charge of this, I stand on the firm foundation of the authoritative word of God, period, end dot. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible means. This is what Christians have believed for 2000 years. Um, and in the reality of making a, like, I'm not completely convinced that every single electrician and plumber here at 1122 is a believer because we contract with all kinds of outside people to fix buildings. You know what I mean? Um, right. which I think is totally fine, but obviously anybody on my staff down to the camera people 
and lighting technicians are fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And so I would make that distinction. And man, just anytime somebody moves away from the authority of the word of God, pay very close attention because the spirit of God is going to move away from them. So, when then, and I get it. I get a guy that's trying to like do a show and trying to, um, trying to thread the needle, which I get. I understand that. One of the things I find interesting, there was a bunch of questions in the New Testament, in the Gospels, that Jesus refused to answer because he knew that the religious people were trying to trap him. Right. So I have a little bit of a, I've got some empathy for the pastor that finds himself, you know, he's doing some kind of interview and he's getting blindsided by a question. Right. Because no matter what he says, he's going to lose. Sure. Like if he's trying to reach people, you know, because and, and so we've got a pretty good precedent of Jesus saying, you ain't going to paint me in a corner. You know what I mean? However, mm-hmm. your answer should still be clear, like about whatever this book says, that's what I believe, period. That I mean, this is my authority. And so if he is trying to recreate a new ethic that is different than what Jesus said. And Jesus was very, very clear that sex is one man, one woman, one lifestyle, one lifetime. Anything outside of that uh, is porneo, is in that junk drawer of sexual sin. And which is like the least popular thing in the world to say now, but who can, I mean, but I'm a big, you know, Galatians 110 fan. Like, am I trying to win the applause of man or of God? So. No, I'm absolutely with you. And, and, Dallas, um, I will, he and I have a relationship or friendship whenever season four is set to release, I will invite him to come back on the show and I will absolutely ask him about that because it's like, look, you know, you did long videos and you explained yourself. So it wasn't like you just got caught, uh, you know, in one of those quick TV hit interviews, like you had a long time to think about this and he and I actually messaged back and forth about it before it was a big deal. Cause I was like, I saw this on like the bottom of the barrel on some random profile on Twitter. And I send it to him. I'm like, Hey man, just in case, uh, you, you probably need to be thinking about how you want to communicate about this. Cause this is small now, but I don't think it's going to stay that way. And within 24 hours, it was whew, like, it, it was yeah. like the, the fire and, and everything. It just completely erupted. So I'll certainly ask him about that. All right, we'll get on Please to our do. next question here. This is from Benjamin. What advice do you have for guys who can't seem to find their calling? I think several men who listen to the show, myself included, might be unsure about what they want to do for a career or want to move careers. What kind of life experiences do you have in this? Do people come to you with career questions? Yeah, man, Benjamin, um, you have a calling. It's called the Great Commission. I know what you mean by your question, and I'm not trying to like Jesus juke you, but every single one of us have the same calling, and it is the Great Commission that God is most glorified in us taking the gospel to the ends of the earth and then making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. So if you start there, if you quit saying, I don't know what I want to do with my life, and you start with, I know God wants me to be a part of the Great Commission, and you set your eyes towards that, then I do think as you were on your road towards that, then I think you got to go to like John chapter three, right? Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about how, how the spirit of God works. And he's like, it's like the wind, man. The spirit of God is just like the wind. And the only way that the wind works is you got to get off of the dock and set sail and get out there and just get going. So pick something that you think is God glorifying. And I don't believe there's like a divide between the sacred and the secular. 
Like, I don't think my job is holy because I work at church and the plumber's job isn't because he, he works for a plumber. I think me and the Christ-centered plumber are all just trying to make much of God. And you just get going towards something, okay? And uh, while you're trying to figure out what your career is and what your vocation is and how God would use that for his glory, get you a job and work real hard and make some money. And as you are on the go, God oftentimes clarifies that. So pay attention to what godly people around you tell you they see in you. Pay attention to the kind of uh, gifts and talents God has given you. But you got to not aim it at yourself. You got to aim it at him. Like I'm doing Like the reason I'm going to teach school is for the glory of God. The reason I'm going to build houses is because it is for the advancement of the kingdom. When you get about that kind of thing. Now, one of the things that you could do also is just leverage your career for the Great Commission. One of the things we started at our church that I ripped off from my good friend, J.D. Greer, is um, we ask a bunch of our college graduates to consider giving us two years of their life right after graduation because you got to do your job somewhere. You might as well do it strategically. And so like mm. somebody graduate, graduates from uh, University of North Florida with a nursing degree and we'll send them to Edinburgh, Scotland, where we've planted a couple churches and the hospital will pay their their all their salary and they will be like the best covenant member of that local church that they can be. And so for sure, nursing is a godly thing. I mean, it's incredible, right? God uses nurses all the time. Right. But oftentimes you use your career to fund whatever ministry God would have you do also. When I think you make a really good point that it seems almost curt to to bring it up, but it's like so many people are searching for that passionate job, that job that's going to be so fulfilling and fill their cup. And it's like, bro, you're broke. Like, just just get a job. Like whenever I first got married, my wife and I got married in 2009. Most people remember that year because the entire economy basically crashed. And so here I am graduated top of my class and I'm working part time at a bank as a teller. Right. I'm working part time, you know, mowing lawns. I did uh, like countertops and different things because I needed to prove to my wife. I, I sold coupon books door to door. It's like, boo, whatever it takes, I'm going to make sure that we can eat and live indoors. And so, yeah, the the passionate thing, the thing that fills your cup, the things that shoot you out of bed every morning to get to go and do. Yes, that is something that you should look for. But at the end of the day, eating food and living indoors is pretty awesome. And again, we see from scripture like. He knows all, God knows all the hairs on your head. He know he knows he can, he can count them, right? He knows the exact number. The sparrows don't fall from the sky without God knowing. So he's going to be able to take care of you. Don't worry. You won't be homeless. So, um, we're kind of up against time here. Do we have time for one more question? Of course we do. Okay. So this is a me question because this has come up for me in conversations with people that are, um, I don't know. They're, they're very skeptical of the Bible and especially old Testament stories are like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. And it's like, um, Hey, you have a morality about something right now, but what about when it was happening back in the day? So specifically if incest is morally wrong, which I would assume that all of us would say yes to that, then how do you explain the propagation of humans starting with Adam and Eve? That, that's a huge question that, that doesn't come up often in Christian apologetic circles, but it's like, wait a minute, incest is wrong? Like, but incest had to have happened for humanity to get up and going. So explain that dichotomy. <clears throat> well, that's very complicated. Uh, a, a good answer in it is found, um, Mark Driscoll wrote a book on um, doctrine, really old. I think he's rewriting it right now, 
But the first couple of chapters in that are, here are multiple Orthodox views of what the Bible says in the first 12 chapters of the book of Genesis. And it helps explain, like, here's how throughout, throughout church history, people that love Jesus, believe the authority of the scriptures, here are multiple Orthodox views that could be how you explain these kinds of things. You know, like where, where did Cain go? How was there already a city there? How were there already people outside of the garden within one generation? I would highly encourage you, instead of me just trying to give you like a version of what I think right now, I think it's really helpful to find resources like that. The key, though, is to find the kind of resources that are happy to share, you know, like traditionally, here's what the Presbyterians think. Here's what the church fathers thought. Here, here are multiple explanations, because I know you like to bring up like young earth, old earth, that you're not going to deal mm. with that. Oh, I boy. think one of the mistakes. Right, right, right. So in a similar way to answer that, one of the mistakes is to say this is how it happened. I think a better right. way to look at it is to say throughout church history, here are there's a bunch of heresies, and then here are three or four explanations, and all of them are within the confines of the authority of Scripture. And different, different godly, faithful people have believed one of these three or four versions. And I, I think that kind of those kind of resources are very helpful. Uh, Mark Driscoll's book, uh, Doctrine on the on Creation and the Propagation of the Human Species. In the first 12 chapters, he talks about that at the beginning of that book. I think it's pretty good. Okay, very good. Well, hey, in this first uh, this first voyage into Ask a Pastor with Joby Martin, we hit all of my questions except for one, so we'll keep that for next time. Is there anything you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? I was surprised you didn't ask me about one, about current pastors and uh what pastors? What I don't. I don't even know. Well, it might be because we're recording this a few weeks, before you know, before it comes out, and by then there okay. will probably be another pastor that's fallen. And your assistant, who I love, who's fantastic, who I won't name here, just in case I get in trouble. She, you know, was a little nervous about this first one because she kind of knows I will just ask anything that comes to my brain. So I wanted to show her that I'm a good guy and that I'm not just gonna, you know, throw, you know, firebombs every time. So as long as she's cool nah. with it, then I'm cool with it. No, I'm I'm really honored for this opportunity, seriously. And I do think, Kyle, that this op, this plat your platform with Undaunted Life, which who I, I listen to all the time, and really, and I'm into the forging table. And I've you mentioned it. The forging table is like research for me, not because y'all say Bible things that I don't necessarily know, which happens for sure. Because y'all do your research, it's legit. Um, but it is. You mentioned it on the Duck Commander People's podcast. Um, unashamed that it helps me because I get this like real insight to a bunch of 30 year old guys that love the Lord and love their families and are studying their Bible. And when as I'm writing sermons and I can listen to, to the forging table, it gives me like, I mean, I'm, I feel like a fly on the wall in a Bible study of a bunch of young men that I'm trying to disciple. So I appreciate that. And I also think this, this platform, I'll probably be willing to talk about a lot more stuff because you bring up the topics, not me. And if I mm -hmm. just, I have I have a podcast, but it's primarily just to help deepen people's relationship with Jesus that either listen to my sermons or attend our church. So thanks, man. I appreciate it. Well, and it's aptly called Deepen. But the cool thing, trying to kind of give people a little peek behind the curtain before we get you out of here, I pitched you on this idea 
of like, hey, what if we did a once a month kind of Q&A thing similar to what I do with, you know, Mark Wayne Mullen, the, the United States senator. And you're like, I love the idea. Let me take it to my team. And then I met some of your team whenever I was down there in Jacksonville at your church. And they came to me and they were like, we were literally trying to figure out how to do a Q&A podcast with Joby that was outside of the sermons and outside of the Deepin podcast. And then he's like, hey, Kyle with Undaunted wants to do that. And they're like, great, let's let Kyle mess with it. He can mess with all the questions. And if something goes wrong, we can blame him. He's redheaded. Everyone will believe us. And so uh, it worked out absolutely fantastically. But I really, really appreciate your time. We'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And also we want to thank the band Holy Name for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is their song Perfect. Perpetua, which is off their self-titled debut album on Facedown Records. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>